I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Well, Ian, we're going to lead off the show uh, a little differently than we have in the, the last few weeks. It was kind of an interesting day. If you are a, a baseball fan, then the Hall of Fame election was uh, today. Today is the uh, 21st, Tuesday, the 21st of January. And if you are a member of Broncos country, it's likely that you are also a fan of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, not necessarily the case, but it's likely that you are. And some some good news for those of you who are fans of the Colorado Rockies. Larry Walker, on his 10th and final try, uh, was finally elected to the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, the you know, Baseball Hall of Fame in, in Cooperstown, New York. And you and I are both uh, very excited about what that means for uh, Colorado baseball in general. I mean, we're, we're both Yankee fans as well, so uh, we also got to celebrate Derek Jeter's in, uh, election to the Hall of Fame uh, on his first ballot, uh, and what should have been unanimous, and we'll, we'll probably save that discussion for another time. But I think it's interesting because we didn't get a chance to talk about uh, what happened with Randy Gratishar and the fact that he did not get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, it's it's there's been a little bit of time. We've had a chance to process 
Uh, I did not get blocked on Twitter by Jeff Legwald, which was uh, the goal of mine on the day that Gratishar did not get in. But uh, it also is is something where I, I feel like Larry Walker getting into the Hall of Fame finally is is similar to what has happened to some of the great Denver Broncos throughout history. And this idea that it took until Champ Bailey getting into the Hall of Fame for the first defensive player from the Denver Broncos to get in. And maybe this bodes well. I think it bodes well for Todd Helton and other Rockies players to to get in and, and sort of shrug off the course field effect. But what has to happen to shrug off the Denver effect, right? There's this, some sort of weird uh, notion that if you're if you play sports in Denver, you don't belong in the Hall of Fame for whatever reason. First off, I a major congratulations to Larry Walker because as I tweeted, he was one of the best, if not the best, I have ever seen play the game of baseball. The things that he could do on the baseball diamond were incredible. And as as we were talking about before we started recording. There, one of the complaints about Larry Walker that it, it took him 10 years, aside from the Coors Field effect, was that some would make the argument that it didn't look like he really put forth an effort. And what I always say to that and what I told you is that Larry Walker was just that good. There are some people who are so good, they make it look effortless and they make it look easy. And that's what Larry Walker did. You talked about how... He the cannon he had in right field. And you talked about the tumble throw, and you never saw Larry Walker do that. He would just throw it on a dime, probably over 100 miles an hour, and it was perfect. It was perfection because it was easy. His swing was the epitome of what a beautiful baseball swing is, and it was effortless. The he would he would lift his right leg his hands were in the perfect spot and he would hit it wherever it needed to go he wasn't a power hitter he he wasn't a contact hitter he was just a hitter and i i just i'm so happy for larry walker i'm so happy for the rockies even though as you mentioned we're both yankees fans i've been a yankees fan since the mid to late 80s you've been a yankees fan your whole life because of your old man but to, to see Larry Walker get that recognition and to be the first ever as a member of the Colorado Rockies to get into Cooperstown is huge. It's, it's akin to John Elway being the first Broncos player elected and inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2004. But at the same point, you mentioned what is it going to take to get rid of that Broncos effect? And I honestly don't know. I really don't know. I think the only thing that we can realistically say is to change the presenter. And I totally get it. Since 2010, the tide has started to change in terms of Broncos getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's when Floyd Little, Shannon Sharp, Terrell Davis, Champ Bailey, Pat Bolin, I totally get that. But this should have been the year for Randy Gratishar. And there is no excuse. They elected a guy from the Chicago Bears, offensive lineman Jim Colvert, went to two Pro Bowls. Two. Two. Randy Gratishar went to seven 
I just, I, for the life of me, I do not understand it. I do not understand it. The whole point of the centennial class for the 2020 Pro Football Hall of Fame was to clear that back, that backlog of players who were deserving, who have been overlooked. And what do they do? I'm going to try not to cuss because I am so pissed off at this. They elect two Bears, another Steeler, a Packer. Really? That's the backlog? That's who you decide to put in? And the other thing that bothers me is Bill Belichick, the great football coach, the great historian. He was on that goddamn staff in 1978. He knows full well how good Randy Gratishar is. I, I just, I, I really do not know what to say at this point. It's been 32 years since Randy Gratishar should have been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 32 years. There have been 10 linebackers to have the same statistics. I'm not even talking about the 2000, ta- the 2000 tackles. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the 20-plus interceptions, the 10-plus fumble recoveries, and the 7-plus Pro Bowls. Nine of the 10 were inducted two years within their effing eligibility. Two years. It's been 32 for Randy Gratishar. Yeah. I mean, there's really no other way to to say it. Very, very eloquently said. You did a nice job. Uh, not swearing for my niece uh, because she she does let me know when there's swears when there are swears she doesn't like it so she lets me know about that the, you know the other the other name that that I mean and there's so many Bronco names that kick around in your head uh, and we've talked about them all we've talked about uh, you know Louis Wright is is more than deserving of being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame I think Rick Upchurch who is on two All Decade teams two. All de- he's on as many all-decade teams as Jimbo uh, is <laughs> from the Chicago Bears. Jimbo, what's his name? Exactly. Colbert. Thank you. Uh, is is uh, went to Pro Bowls, and, and he's literally, not in the. I mean, literally, I mean, what I did because he was the first player announced. He was. I remember that on that Wednesday morning. I literally said, "Who?" Uh huh. Hall of Fame. Yeah. I it, look. I live in the Chicagoland area, and. Uh, people know that who listen to the show and, and I, you know, I brought it up with some of the people who I work with and, oh yeah, he, you know, he deserved to be in and, you know, he he locked down that left tackle position for eight years. And I'm like, I'm not sure that that's the criteria, uh, eight years of locking down the left tackle position for a team that won one Super Bowl and, uh, did pretty much nothing else. That doesn't scream Hall of Fame to me. But 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 okay, I, I digress on that. I I just think that when we get to the conversation about the Denver Broncos in the Hall of Fame, and you know, just to kind of tie it back into to Larry Walker being being elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is uh, an incredibly huge honor. It also is something that makes you think about a guy like Steve Atwater, who uh, is a finalist again for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, who we have had the the absolute pleasure of having on our show a, a couple of times, a few times, uh, who we have enjoyed 
uh, doing, uh, you know, radio hits with uh, when he was at, uh, you know, <laughs> when he was uh, on, you know, on the radio with Mace and, and Edwards. And, and, and now he's, you know, he's kind of doing his you know, other things. And it, 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 you look at that and you think, okay, well, if Larry Walker got in this year, maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it's a bad sign, but it, it just is one of those things where Larry Walker, who is the, is in, in my opinion, to this point, the greatest player in Rockies history, which is short. It's a short history. I, I mean, the Rockies didn't start playing baseball until 92, uh, but still, the first first player into the Hall of Fame, the greatest player in their history. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it takes a while for those things to happen. Steve Atwater has momentum. He has all kinds of of, of sort of this this idea that the, I mean, his name has been mentioned over and over and over again. Ed Reed, when he was inducted, said if if you know if if Steve Atwater doesn't get in, give him my spot. And then he didn't uh, give him his spot, which I noticed didn't happen, which is fine. That's not Ed Reed's fault. I just, I see this as going one of two ways, a continuation of the snubbing of Denver Broncos, great Denver Broncos who are more than deserving, or a a continuing turn of the tide. And I think you've made a good point here with with the presenter, and, and that's the difference between the way that baseball and football do their Hall of Fame. The Baseball Hall of Fame is very simple. It's, here's the guys who are eligible, you get to vote for 10 of them, vote. And the Baseball Writers Association of America, or Baseball Writers of America Association, I can't remember which way the A's go because it doesn't really matter, they get to vote. And they submit their ballots, and it's added up, and the guys who get in, get in. And it's not about we're only going to take this number of players. And it's not about uh, standing up and, and giving a PowerPoint presentation to a group of, of writers uh, from the NFL and saying, look how good my guy was. It's not a popularity contest in the way that it's a popularity contest in the NFL. It is a popularity contest, but it's run in a more democratic way. And then the other thing that happens in baseball, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, is the transparency and it's fairly new it's it's a new concept but this idea that you can uh elect to have your ballot shared right make it public and most people do that and it gives everyone a sense of understanding of who you voted for and then you can defend your vote and do we have some knuckleheads out there that make some weird votes and and then have to defend them yeah we do uh, you, you're going to get that. A la the Derek Jeter, one short of unanimous, or three guys who didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. as a Hall of Famer. But what you don't get is the ability to hide behind a curtain and say, well, this is the way that, that everybody voted, but we have no idea what was said in that meeting room. We have no idea about the conversations or the deals that were made or how poorly somebody uh, argued for a particular player. Like I cannot imagine, <clears throat> excuse me. I cannot imagine that Jeff Legwald stood up in that room and had any true passion behind the words that he spoke about Randy Gratishar. Because if he did, it shouldn't have taken more than a couple of sentences, some pounding on the table and, and, and just a little bit of, 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 of just, just some anger in his voice. I mean, I'm sorry. The, what you just did, Ian, in your presentation of Randy Gratishar was enough. And I am the type of person, I don't like to tear down other people's greatness 
to lift up someone else. Uh, we've, we've talked about this when it came to Terrell Davis. I was uh, never a fan of going after a guy like, you know, uh, Jerome Bettis, for example, and, and saying he didn't deserve to be in and Terrell Davis did. They, they both deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and that's the problem with the Pro Football Hall of Fame is you have so many players that have been deserving over the years, and not just Broncos, but the, the Broncos are where we are the most affected. And they don't get in because of these weird backdoor dealing rules where it's you close the door. I, I feel I feel like Kate from The Godfather. And you know, Michael says, you know, you can ask me about my business one time, and then he lies to her and says that it's not true. He didn't he didn't have, you know, his his brother-in-law killed. And then she as she's standing there preparing the drink, he closes, you know, somebody closes the door and you go, Oh, I've just been lied to. That's what this feels like to me. I feel like I feel, I feel like an outsider in the Godfather uh, at this point. Because that's all they do. They shut the door and they tell you what the results are, and you don't get to know anything other than that. The other thing that bothers me is we don't know how they voted. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I mean, let alone seeing the presentations, we don't know how they vote. And we don't know all of the votes for the Baseball Hall of Fame. But as you said, it's more democratic. There's 397 people who vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's 48 people who elect the people for the modern-day NFL to the to the to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And typically they'll take the seniors committee, they'll take the one or two people who come from the seniors committee to the full 48 people and vote on those one or two people same with contributors. Comes from the contributors committee, there's one or two people from the contributors committee comes to the full 48. But still, the max is 48. And there's five max players for the modern day. Players and typically one or two seniors, and then one or two contributors. So a, a max of eight. We don't know how they vote. If you're not going to vote for somebody, put your name on it. If you really, if you appreciate the history of the game, and you talk about how special it is to be in this room and to be on that panel. Prove it. Don't hide behind anonymity. Don't hide your vote. How did the people vote for that special blue ribbon panel for the seniors and the, the 10, so the 10 seniors and the three contributors and the two coaches? And I'm not even going to get started on Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I, 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 I just... I, I I feel like the only reason they did those two was because David Baker told them, well, I'll be able to go to New York and the CBS studio and then fly across the country and go to the Fox studio in LA and do Jimmy Johnson. I feel like that's the only reason those two guys were inducted into the hall of fame. Yeah. It was, it was TV time, but I, I just, how did you vote? John Madden coached, against Randy Gratishar. Is he butthurt because Tom Jackson screamed at him in Oakland in 1977? It's all over, fat man. Is, has he still not let that go? 40 years later and John Madden is still butthurt? 
Well, we don't even, and, and that's the problem. We don't even know who it is that voted for for who or who didn't vote for whoever, and that and and that's the point that I'm making here. And I understand that there is some importance to anonymity. There is some importance to being able to say, you know what, I don't want to share my vote. And the Baseball Hall of Fame allows for that. If you don't want to share your vote, if you don't want people to know, then you don't have to make it public. But what you saw, if you were paying attention, if you're a baseball fan, and I know there are people out there that aren't, and that's, you know, that's that's your own problem. I guess you'll have to do some some soul searching on that. But what you saw, if you followed any of those any of those people who happen to be voters for the Baseball Hall of Fame, a lot of them were taking pictures of their ballots and tweeting them out and sharing them before they submitted them, saying, this is my vote. This is my vote. Have at it, jackals. Go for it. Tell me why I'm wrong. And, and here's, the, here's the thing that I like about that. I can tell you why you're, why you're wrong. And then you can argue it back with me. You can say, nope, this is what I thought. You can present your argument. You can show me why you made the decision that you made. In the NFL, it's, this is the decision we've made. Live with it. Well, why is that the decision you made? I don't have to tell you. You don't even know who made the decision. You know the names of the people in the room, but you don't get to know why they decided what they decided or how they decided it. And it's, it's maybe it's really only frustrating for those of us who have been waiting for however many years 32 if you're if you're counting Gratishar more for others to really to really have to wait that long it's just maybe it's frustrating for us because we feel that as fans of a franchise and I know that there are uh, some guys at MHR even who say this is stupid why do we even talk about it the Hall of Fame is pointless it has nothing to do with the play on the field yeah they're right it has nothing to do with the play on the field and that's what makes it infuriating because we feel some sort of ownership over the history of the game. Because we feel some sort of belonging to this franchise that, let's, let's be honest right now, is, is in a little bit of disarray with some of the things that are going on with ownership group. But we still feel that connection. It's been a part of our lives for our entire life. So yeah, it's childish. And maybe it doesn't really matter. But it kind of does. That's why we all show up on Sunday. Even when they're losing, we still turn it on. We still go to the games because we care. And we care about this. And it, and it's it's infuriating. There are things about this that just don't add up. And that and that is what we are upset about. And and it's funny because we really get to this point because we are so happy for Larry Walker. Because he does absolutely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And because it took so long. And how ridiculous that it, that was that it took so long for him. But he deserved it. And he finally got in. And we all wanted that for Randy Gratishar. And we all hoped for it for Steve Atwater in the coming in the coming weeks. And, and I'll be honest with you. At this point, I throw my hands up and, and I just don't, I don't see it happening. And, and I think you're right. It goes back to who the person is who is presenting the Broncos and just not doing his job very well. For those who say it doesn't matter, go to the nine news Twitter page and they have an, a, a short clip with an interview with Randy Gratishar. Watch that interview. Listen to what he says. Look at his emotion and tell me it doesn't matter. 
because it matters. I'm trying not to cuss again. An <laughs> effing lot to him and his wife because he thought this was his moment. He thought last Wednesday was going to be his day. And he and his wife were watching NFL Network and they were waiting. And they were waiting. And they were waiting. And they were waiting. And then after three hours, it hits him that he's going to have to wait one more year. And he said that both he and his wife had tears. You can't watch that and say it doesn't matter. You can't say big whoop. You can't say that you can't be passionate about this. Because it matters to him. This is his moment to have his achievements recognized and appreciated and valued by the people who are supposed to get it. And for 32 years, they've pissed on him. And it's infuriating. And I think the same thing is going to happen to Steve Atwater. Because you know why? They're going to do the same thing they did with Bill Cowher and Jimmy Johnson. John Lynch is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His team is playing in the Super Bowl in Miami against the Chiefs. You don't think that they're going to take John Lynch over Steve Atwater for that moment? Steve Atwater is going to get overlooked because of that, because of the optics, because of how great it's going to be for football and for the 49ers and for John Lynch. And I get it. Patrick Smythe and the Broncos will tweet out, hey, we got another Bronco in the effing Hall of Fame. No, you don't. Meanwhile, the Bronco. Obviously, for our generation, it was John Elway. John Elway was the white lion. The guy right behind him was the smiling assassin. As we have said, as everyone has said, they don't win that first Super Bowl 32 without Steve Atwater. If there is a defensive MVP, he is the MVP. If he gets that interception, he might be the MVP. I, I just, I, at this point, I really, I just, I don't know what to do or say anymore. It's just, it's infuriating. It's maddening. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it. I tell you what, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Let's gather ourselves, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, maybe some happier things. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Adam, I'm still incredibly happy that I found some way to do that entire rant and not cuss. Yeah, that was good. It was really good. Like I said, my niece will will greatly appreciate it. Uh, and, and we are going to talk about uh, a, a couple of things that are, are less infuriating and maybe a little bit happier. And, and I think we'll lead off with the Pro Bowl, which um, only matters for some people when it comes to the Hall of Fame, I guess. I, you know what? See, there I go again. Um, I'm going to try not to do that. But uh, the Denver Broncos do have a couple of players that will be in the Pro Bowl in, in Cortland Sutton and Bon Miller, um, which is great, I suppose. Uh, the Pro Bowl is a, a glorified scrimmage that means nothing, but also uh, is a way to honor players for having good seasons. I think uh, Cortland Sutton is, is obviously uh, a very deserving Pro Bowler. He had great numbers. He's you know he put up good numbers with three different quarterbacks. Two of them were awful, and one of them was Drew Locke, who was very okay. <laughs> it's like a rookie quarterback who played five games, but really, you know, it was like he's a rookie. And then Joe Flacco, the greatest statue of all time, I suppose. Like that guy could pose in the pocket all day right up until he sacked. And then Brandon Allen, who uh, you guys remember him, right? Those were his quarterbacks. I think with Cortland Sutton, it's – I think it's – it shows what he's capable of and what he can do over the course of his career, which we all hope is a successful and thriving career. And only his second season, he's going to the Pro Bowl. That's remarkable. But I also think he's only scratched the surface. I don't think that we've seen how great Cortland Sutton can be, especially as he starts to develop that timing, rapport, and chemistry with Drew Locke, which they'll be able to work on over the course of the offseason. And depending on what the Broncos do in the draft, getting that speed receiver like a Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy or some of those other speedsters who are going to be in the draft, if one of them were to fall to the Broncos at 15, that will add even more to Cortland Sutton and how he'll be able to put up, I think, even better numbers. In terms of Von Miller, I think the thing that has stood out to me is he's already working out. He was doing that a week or two ago in San Francisco. So that should show you how motivated he is to get back to the level he wants to be at, what the Broncos expect and want him to be at. So it, I, I think that that is a very positive sign. And it's interesting that you mentioned Brown, Brandon Allen, because one thing that we haven't talked about since the Broncos hiring Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator is what do the Broncos do now at backup quarterback? Do they go out and find someone who is knowledgeable of Shermer's system? Or do they stick with Brandon Allen? Because one of the reasons they brought Brandon Allen on was because of his familiarity with Rich Scangarello's system, having been a part of it with the tree, a branch of it with Sean McVay and the Rams. So I, I think that's going to be a very interesting off-season question and what they do or where they go for the backup quarterback. Yeah, it's it's funny because the name that you hear kicked around a little bit is is Case Keenum. <laughs> and, uh, it's uh, okay, I, maybe I guess yeah, that might work. Um, 
I guess the other question is what's going to happen with, with Joe Flacco and, and what are they going to do with his contract? Uh, I do think that Brandon Allen is a, is a sort of a casualty of this. And we talked about Brandon Allen being uh, the backup, right? We said, Hey, the Broncos, if anything, the Broncos have discovered their backup. They found the guy that they can, they can put in as their number two quarterback moving forward. And Drew Locke can, can develop into their starter and, and, and that's going to work. But now with a change in scheme, a change at offensive coordinator. Uh, you have to imagine they're going to go a different direction and, and what direction they go will be, uh, I, I guess, something that we find out uh, in the coming weeks. I, I would imagine, and then this is just my own opinion of it. I would imagine that they probably want to bring in a veteran of presence. Uh, they want somebody who uh, understands the offense that Pat Shermer is going to want to implement and somebody who is willing to uh, take that, I guess that mentorship role that that Joe Flacco didn't want and, and wasn't willing to do, not that he was required to do it. And I think we all thought that was pretty funny when people asked him about it. But in this case, you do want a guy who's going to be willing to step in and say, yeah, I've run this offense before and uh, you know I can sort of help Drew Locke become a professional quarterback because he, he, he really only has five games under his belt. And having a, a backup there a veteran presence that can help guide him. We know how hard he works. That's the word on him is that he's, he's a, he's a studier. He's a hard worker. He's somebody who's always in the playbook. And so there's not a concern there, but the concern is now taking all of that and implementing it properly. You know, you want, you want to have somebody who can help guide him through that. Who's not just the quarterback's coach, but, but is also on the field and making the throws with him during practice and, and can see things from the same perspective that Drew Locke is going to see them from. And I, again, I, I, I go back to the Case Keenum idea. I'm not sure who else you would bring in. I, I, I also heard Eli Manning once. And I was like, get out of here with that. That's never going to happen. <laughs> no, Eli Manning will never be a backup quarterback. No, he, he's going to retire before he chooses to do something like that. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what the Broncos do because they do – I think have an opportunity to bring somebody in that can help to develop Drew Locke, that can be sort of that stable backup that you need to have in a situation when you are trying to develop a young quarterback. And and that's clearly what they're going to be doing uh, in the 2020 season. I'm going to throw out two names. Okay. Sam Bradford, mm-hmm. because he was there with Shermer in Minnesota and actually had a pretty good statistical season when he was healthy. And then Josh McCown. Yeah, who was just with a branch of the offense that Shermer runs with Doug Peterson since he was in Philadelphia, and he's a veteran. So there's someone to keep an eye on. I don't know about Nick Foles. He's probably going to be way too expensive, but he's played with Pat Shermer. Shermer was a huge part of his development in the 2013 season with Chip Kelly in Philadelphia. And I believe in Minnesota – I don't think Foles was ever in Minnesota. Was he? Well, regardless, I, I, there is a connection to to Shermer in Philadelphia in right. 2013. So given that Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy now in, in Jacksonville. <laughs> Sorry, that just makes me laugh because it's – okay, I, I I can't wait for it. I'm I'm here for the Gardner Minshew era. That's That's fantastic. But I would keep an eye on Sam Bradford and Josh McCown. I think those are the the two names to to keep an eye on early on. And then, of course, there's the quarterbacks coach, which they still haven't announced because they moved on from T.C. McCartney, who was Rich Scangarello's guy. I think the name that's 
the most likely and Benjamin Albright and Mike Kliss and even Troy Rink have thrown it out is Mike Shula, who was with Pat Shermer with the Giants. So I I would say that's probably where they're going to end up with the quarterbacks coach. And he obviously has the name pedigree. He's the son of Don Shula. And somehow Mike Kliss made this connection. He was at Alabama, so he set it up for Nick Saban. I never really okay. got that. But sure. He's definitely he definitely is an experienced coach. He's been in the league. I think he knows how to to develop to develop guys. He's uh, uh, he helped develop Daniel Jones and his rookie season with Pat Shermer and the Giants. So there is that that coaching pedigree to that would help Drew Locke and help him lead the Broncos in the 2020 season. So I'd keep an eye on Mike Shula as the quarterbacks coach. Yeah, the Sam Bradford one, it makes me sort of cringe a little just because I'm afraid he'll injure himself just running out of the tunnel. Uh, (laughs) You can't can't be a backup if you're injured before you put your helmet on. That just doesn't work. So, uh, And and that has been his his biggest issue as a a player in the NFL. And and, and you're absolutely right. When he was with Minnesota, statistically speaking, when he was on the field, he was very good and was probably going to lead that team to the playoffs that year. And instead, uh, Case Keenum got to step in and, uh, take over that offense and, and have kind of an incredible ride that that nabbed him a pretty big contract with the Denver Broncos. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some things that are going to happen there on the offensive side of the football as, as far as quarterback goes. Uh, it It's going to be interesting to see how uh, the changes in the offense affect players like Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and what do they do at running back as well because I, there's a lot of talk out there and this was something that, um, you, you know, I, I you hear it from, from – different sources like Benjamin Albright and on Bronco Broncos country tonight, they were talking about it a few weeks ago and it's something that's popped up in a few different spots that the Broncos will want to do something at running back that they're not happy with the situation uh, as a whole. Obviously Philip Lindsay is, is a, a shining star there, right? He's a pretty big bright spot, but uh, I think there's some concern that Royce Freeman hasn't developed into what they had hoped he would develop into uh, at this point. And there's a lot of mileage on him. He had a lot of carries in college. So That'll be another interesting spot. And as we approach the draft, you know, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl moving forward. We did talk to Jeff the other night before he left for Mobile. Uh, we're going to, you know, we'll talk about, you know, the Combine. We'll talk about uh, different players. Those are all things that are going to be important and sort of in the forefront, along with free agency. There's, there's a ton of guys out in free agency and a ton of things that the Broncos can do. And I don't know what the number is, but what is, what is the cap number for the Broncos heading into free agency? Right now, before they do any moves, it's around 60. But if they make moves, say Joe Flacco, Ronald Leary, maybe Jeff Hireman, a few others, it'll get to around or over 80. Is that a lot? It feels like a lot. That That is a lot. That That's more than enough to go out and get the pieces they need to build around what they hope is their franchise quarterback in Drew Locke. So a defensive lineman, maybe uh, a cornerback like Byron Jones. They could potentially get an offensive lineman like Brandon Scherf or if they decide to move on from Connor McGovern, which is the rumor going around with Cecil Lammy and, and Walter football saying that there isn't a lot of they – they're not sold on Connor McGovern – 
as a center, so they potentially could move on. That's um, an interesting one to me because you got to wonder if if they're not sold on Connor McGovern at center, who who is it that they they think they're going to bring in to replace him, and who 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 is it that's out there that they think is going to be cheaper? Because let's face it, on the open market, I think Connor McGovern probably gets uh, you know between six and ten million dollars. Uh, are they going to be able to bring somebody in cheaper than Connor McGovern that is going to be as productive or as good at the position? I, to me, that's one where I, I feel like that's kind of a, a weird spot to move on because you've got you've got a guy in house. You might as well just make it work because you're probably going to pay the same amount of money for somebody else who's going to be, I don't know, as good. Maybe, maybe not as maybe not as good. But I don't imagine you're going to get anybody that's better. There's no, there doesn't seem to be a a name that's really standing out at the center position that the Broncos would be targeting right now. And I think if Mike Munchak isn't sold on you, I think that's probably going to solidify whether or not the Broncos stick with you or not because he is the best offensive line coach in football, and they are going to trust what he says. So I, I think that's definitely something to keep an eye on over the course of the next couple of weeks heading into the the early part of March when free agency really starts to kick into high gear and you'll get rumors flying around potentially on who Elway and the Broncos are, are going after. But it, as I, I tweeted out on, on Tuesday, it, it's an exciting time just because of that cap space. And we've mentioned it on previous podcasts and it all ties back to them potentially and hopefully having their franchise quarterback, which opens up, so many avenues on how they can attack free agency and the pieces they can bring in and with the draft. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. The other one, the other piece they need to be thinking about is Justin Simmons and Shelby Harris and Derek Wolf. And who do they, who do they retain? Right. There's, there's a lot of names that you have to think about in that front as well. Like they're probably going to tag Justin Simmons. I think that's the word on the street that seems to be most likely, then what do they do with Shelby Harris? I think Chris Harris Jr. walks. I think that he's gone, which is is why you bring up uh, names like Byron Jones as replacement and cornerback. Hopefully Bryce Callahan is actually a real person and does materialize and isn't just a pretend uh, person. We're not getting Manti Teo'd with this. Uh, that's the joke that's been going around with Bryce Callahan. Uh, and so, the, it's not just who you're bringing in, but it's also who you're retaining. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do. And as we put a button on this podcast, major congratulations to Larry Walker, who absolutely deserved to get his spot into Cooperstown. It's beyond time, but as will now be said forever, He'll be known as Hall of Famer Larry Walker. Oh, Canada. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.